Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Well, when was the, um, when was the last time that you enjoyed something so much that you just couldn't stop talking about it? I'm not talking about my sermons. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, what? Just that you just could not stop talking about it. Maybe it was an experience that you had, something that you experienced on your own or with your family, a visit to Disney World. Maybe a, a foreign country that you visited one time for an anniversary trip, and you just can't stop talking about it. Or maybe it was a movie you saw, and you're trying to rope in your friends and family to go see this film or to see this movie. Maybe it was a restaurant. You know, Atlanta is like a food capital, and so there's so many different restaurants. Maybe it was an experience you had there that that you were just blown away by the food or the service that you'd just been trying to find reasons to bring friends and families there. We all have those little places. Now, for me, I have really been into this TV show called The Chosen. I've been really into this thing. My staff can tell you all about it. I am fascinated with what they're doing. Absolutely fascinated with what this TV show is doing. I need to say that before I was uh, becoming a Salvation Army officer, to put a little context into why maybe this is so fascinating to me, was that my plan was always to go into film. That was my career path. I was going to go into film production. Um, I had been accepted in one of the top film schools in the country. And actually, I decided uh, to follow my calling, I received it, and, I, and, I, and I, I remember the night well and decided to follow my calling as a Salvation Army officer right before the first day of class. And so I never stepped foot inside film school, so I can't give any notes or anything, but never stepped side in there. But um, that's a, and all that, that's a story for another day. But, but needless to say, I am fascinated with film and, and, all, and production and all of that stuff that takes place. And this is what The Chosen is doing, is, is the first ever multi-season TV series on the life of Jesus. It's never been done before. They usually do a mini-series or a movie, but never a multi-season series. They're trying to do seven series out of it on the life of Jesus. They are, they are breaking the typical mold of how you make a TV show. First, they are completely crowdfunded, 100%. What that means is, is that the only way they make money to make a TV show is by you and me, by donating to them. That's it. There are absolutely no studios. Why? Because they don't want studios to have the power to change the message. And so they've reached out to the church, the global universal church. Thus far, they've made enough to film two seasons. Second is their distribution system. Because there are no studios, this means that they do not have access to the major networks or the streaming services. And then, he was excited about that. (laughs) Oh, man. Calm down. I'm just getting started. All right. 
So they're, they're, they don't have access to the distribution system that the other TV sh shows do. So instead, they created a first-of-its-kind app that you download the chosen app, and right there from your app, you can watch the show on any device in your house with the push of a button. You want to watch it on your TV? Push a button, it's on your TV. And you can watch the entire thing. Next, and perhaps the one that really draws me in, is that the series isn't cheesy. It's excellent. It's not, it's not what you would expect from a Christian kind of perspective of how we do film. It is excellent. The cinematography, the acting, the storytelling is superb. I'm very impressed with it. And in fact, the first season of The Chosen has more views than any current show on Netflix at the moment, making it the most viewed Jesus story in history right now. This is happening right now. And then finally, after all of this, what makes this show different than any other show is that everything is completely free. Every season, every episode, everything is free. And how can they make it free? Because people like you and me, we donate and we pay forward to the next guy to view it for free. Their goal is for one billion people to see the story of Jesus in this world. That's their goal. Now, I would also like to note, just for a second, that currently the second, third, and possibly the fourth season of this show, the most viewed Jesus show in history, right this second, is being filmed at the Salvation Army Camp Hoblitzell in Texas. They actually just finished filming the Sermon on the Mount. At Hoblitzell, that entire scene took place at Camp Hoblitzell. A great story one day for the future, how, we, how they ended up on our camp. But I'm going to tell you that it is remarkable that the Army has a piece of this history that's taking place. Now, did you see what I just did? Did you see just kind of where I was going there? I literally just became a disciple of the TV show The Chosen. You see what I did? I was excited about that. I am excited about that. I'm passionate about it. I want, I, I want all my friends and my families and all of you to watch the TV show The Chosen. And you should, I'm just saying, but you should. But I want everyone to see it. I'm trying to convert my friends into Chosen viewers, is what I'm doing. I'm following up with them. I'm asking them, Sue Ann can attest to this. Hey, did you see the episode last night? Did you, did, you see what, did you see what Jesus did? Did you, did you see how the disciples reacted to this? I'm following up with them, keeping them accountable. Did you see? You said you were. Did you see it? And I'm, and I'm, I'm saying this, is that it, this was the same type of passion, the exact same type of passion that the disciples had the day that they received the Spirit on them. The passion to never stop talking about Jesus. Whatever it is, when I was in college and high school, my passion was the Beatles. I can tell you every, every fact there is known on the earth about the four Beatles. I, I mean, I, that's what it was. And I always think to myself, if I knew that much about Jesus, what could I tell people about the Beatles? Passion about a TV show, about the passion about the Word of God. God, we just pray right now that your word be spoken today. That your word be presented in a, in a way that, that is clear and understanding, Lord. 
that when we walk outside these doors and outside of this place, that God, we, it is evident that we've been in the presence of, your, of a holy God. Father, I pray right now that despite my, my, my sinuses or void, that your word be spoken under and just be received by your people, God. If I say anything that's a lie, anything that's not true, then, then correct me on the stage. That, Father, I just pray that, that it is your truth being spoken today. And, God, I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, if you remember where we left off last week, when we were going through that, the Spirit had fallen on the disciples on Pentecost, giving them the ability to speak in other languages, if you remember this. And if you recall, once the disciples recognized and understood that it was the Holy Spirit that fell on them, once they recognized it and saw that, the first thing they did was they opened the door from the house they were in. And then they went outside. And that's where we left off last week. It was after the Spirit fell on them and they opened the door and they took the step outside. And then what happened when they stepped outside? What was waiting for them when the disciples left the, that day of Pentecost when the Spirit fell on them and they took that first step outside? And you see what, what was waiting for them out there, outside that door, were thousands of people who came to Jerusalem for the Pentecost festival. Thousands of them were coming in for this festival, speaking multiple languages from different backgrounds and ethnic groups, traveling in to be a part of this Jewish festival. Thousands of people who have not yet heard about the man of Galilee, Jesus Christ. And so the, the disciples took a step outside of their door and they immediately beginning to tell the people about him. Wasted no time. They stood outside and he showed that the disciples spoke and said how he was the Messiah, that he's the son of the living God, this Jesus from Galilee, this is him, that he was crucified, but he had been risen from the grave. Believe in him, those who are traveling to Jerusalem, believe in him. However, what made this a little different than a typical sermon or, or maybe it's a normal evangelistic campaign perhaps, was that when they walked outside the door and they started to speak and they started to share all these truths about Jesus, they weren't doing it in their language. They didn't know how it was, they didn't ask, they just walked out and they started speaking. And according to Acts, at least 15 different languages were coming out of their mouths. To those who were coming out there, they didn't study this. This wasn't something that they've been training for, or been studying for. It was the Spirit falling on them. And they just opened their mouths and then suddenly the language came out that whatever the person that needed to hear this truth heard it in their language. And many people were amazed. And they were in awe. How are these regular, ordinary Jewish men speaking my language? How are these people who were maybe we should hate? I've been taught not to be around you my entire life. But how can I hear you in my language? The crowd was amazed that they were speaking this way. Others, however, not everyone. There were a few out in this crowd that were in disbelief. They weren't ready to, to receive whatever they were talking about or, or to hear the words coming out of their mouth, regardless what language it was. Maybe they were just confused. Maybe they didn't, they didn't want to know who the Messiah was. And so they just, they came up and said, 
these guys are drunk. That's what it is, guys. They're all drunk. Listen to them. They're talking nonsense. They're just, they're, they've had too much to drink. And it was right there in that comment when the disbelief from those waiting outside that room speaking this, this lie and, and, and trying to cast doubt into the crowd is when you and I, in reading, get to witness and see for the very first time a sermon, at least recorded, the very first sermon given after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. And it was Peter who gave it. He walked out. And after the disbelief and the doubt came in, Peter, Peter, what he's about to do is he's about to stand on his own two feet. Jesus isn't there anymore to hold his hand. Jesus isn't there to, to teach him a valuable lesson. And, and, and you sit down and ponder about this while I go handle the problem. You sit there and I'll take care of it. He's not there to do that. Peter has to stand at his own two feet now. He has to go and be able to articulate what he believes, what he knows to be truth. But when he left the house that day, he left with the Spirit filling him to do it. And so when he opened his mouth, it wasn't him. It was the Spirit. The Spirit was leading him. This was, this is, the Spirit is the one holding our hands, saying, come. I will put the words in your mouth. And so Peter stood before these, these, this, this great crowd and he just said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain what you just saw and listen carefully to what I say. These men aren't drunk. It's only nine in the morning. Knock that off. I rebuke that. The prophet Joel, listen everyone, the prophet Joel told us about this. He prophesied about this. He said, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. That your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. He will pour his spirit on his servants. Everyone who calls on him will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God. He performed miracles, wonders, and signs. This man was handed over to you, and you put him to death by nailing him on a cross. But... God raised him from the dead. He raised him from the dead, freeing him from any agony of death because it is impossible for death to keep his hold on him. It is impossible. And his Holy Spirit has been poured out on what you are witnessing today. These men are not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter looks out to the crowd and sees belief in their eyes. Looks like Peter is now ready to take on that calling Jesus has placed on him to be the rock. And what we're seeing is something remarkable here. 
We're seeing something absolutely remarkable. That when I was studying and praying for this message, I feel that God revealed something to me that I'd never seen before. So I'm going I'm to preface it by saying, this is what I think. This, uh, th- it, just, it just happened when I was sitting there. That perhaps what we're seeing with the disciples coming outside the house and speaking in all the different languages that day, maybe what we're seeing is actually the completion of what took place at the Tower of Babel in Genesis. That when the entire world in Genesis was separated by our language and our culture, that we were separated because we couldn't understand each other, and we went our different ways, divided by those that didn't speak the same language as us, that didn't look like us, Or do the things the same way that we do, that we were divided, and the world has been divided ever since that moment. But maybe, maybe, in this moment, right here, what we're seeing is God, through His Spirit, saying that my people will be united, will be united, not divided by language or culture, but we will all hear the message of salvation because it is worth to be told in every language. And so maybe in this moment, we're seeing that the reason why there were burning tongues above the heads of disciples is because he was bringing completion to the division in Genesis at Tower of Babel into the reality of the unity of the church. He was burning away all the sin and the nastiness that has been dividing us and keeping us separated. God said, not my people. Division is not our calling. But when we stand before people, we preach the truth. We don't water it down. We don't compromise. We preach the truth and we do it in love. We do it in love. And in fact, here in this church, every week, we're preaching that message in English. We're preaching it in Spanish. And right this very second in that chapel, right across the hall, we're speaking it in Korean right now. Because we believe it. We believe it. Because we are united by the blood of Jesus. And so Peter on that day before the crowd, and when he got done speaking, and he saw their hearts and he saw their eyes, he saw they were ready to believe. And so the crowd asked Peter, they said, what shall we do? I hear what you said. What shall we do? And Peter said, repent, be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, church of today, of Gwinnett, of this world, if we repent and commit to him, then we too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues or in languages. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the power and the ability of whatever the Spirit gives to us for the right time at the right moment. Because He is the Spirit. Don't get caught up on the acts. Get caught up on the Spirit. Get caught up on Him falling afresh on you. Because whatever that looks like is whatever He chooses. Whatever that is. In fact, we have a word for that. 
in our theology. We have, a, we, have a, we have a phrase that we use when we are referencing the Spirit falling afresh on you. And that phrase is the second blessing. The second blessing. Because you see, you heard me reference it last week. I, I just kind of, I just, I, I brought it a little bit to you. So oh, here we go, I'm going to say it. I'm going to come back to that. But here it is, the second blessing. And we in the army, in the Salvation Army, we are a two-blessing theology. That's what we are. That the first blessing is receiving salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in fact, Easter and Good Friday are all about the first blessing. Because we got to have it. It is life-changing. It is literally bringing us from a course of death and destruction to life and hope. That is the first blessing. But we believe that there's a second one. One that can be found, in fact, one that we did find on Pentecost, which is receiving the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the fire of God in your soul, the Spirit comes in and burns away all the sin, evil desires, and destruction that we still are keeping a hold in there. He comes and burns all that away. And then what he does is he puts in a new fire in you. An everlasting fire. In fact, she, I don't, she, maybe she knew what she was referencing to, but the woman at the well and Jesus said, said that I can give you a water that you'll never thirst for again. I can put something in your heart that will sustain you forever. The Spirit's fire. And that, the, a fire that burns brightly and passionately and lovingly. And the same fire that was given to the disciples on this day that we're talking about is the same fire that can be given to you. It isn't, it isn't for just back then. It isn't a story we read to our kids at bedtime. This is the same fire that we can receive today in the army, in our souls, in our churches. We can receive this. And when you have received both these blessings, the first and the second blessing, there is actually a fancy church word that we use to describe that, to describe when receiving both of them. And we don't really hear this term anymore. We don't talk about it. We don't bring it up a whole lot. Um, but, but there is one, and it is full salvation. Full salvation. You occasionally find the term in an old hymn. Keeping it alive for us. Keeping it alive. A reminder when we sing the old hymns not to forget. Don't forget about full salvation. Don't forget about the second blessing. Don't forget about the Holy Spirit. And we hear it in hymns like, like this one. Lord, I make a full surrender. And I have, all I have, I yield to thee. For thy love, so great and tender, ask the gifts of me. Lord, I bring my whole affection. Claim it. Take it for thine own. Safely kept by thy protection, fixed on thee alone. And the course goes, glory, glory, hallelujah. I have given my all to God. And I now have full salvation through the precious blood. 
It's not just words. They don't just rhyme or catchy. They are. But it's the second blessing that we're talking about. We actually believe this. The disciples had received it and so can you. And so what does happen? What does happen when you receive the Spirit? What happens? Well, the scripture says right here that when Peter finished speaking, when Peter and the disciples were filled with the Spirit and they went out in the Spirit's power to preach, the scripture says that when he finished speaking that about 3,000 people came to Jesus. This is because the Holy Spirit brings not only individual salvation, but a cultural one. This is how revivals start. It starts with us being filled with the Spirit. And it starts with us actually believing that He has the power and stepping out into it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He wasn't sending us empty-handed. He wasn't saying, good luck. He was saying, go, go. I have a gift that will carry you through. Have you received the second blessing this morning? Have you received full salvation? Do you feel like you just, and I know this feeling, I know it, but do you feel like you just can't get to the next step in your faith? You're just stuck right in this spot. You can't, you just can't shake it. You can't get to that next level. That you are constantly running back to the cross, asking for forgiveness over and over and over again for the same thing. Have you ever experienced that? You just can't shake it. I'm telling you, let the Spirit burn it away. Don't, we're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough to try to overcome these things that Satan wants to constantly bring before us. Let the Spirit burn it away to get out that this is a temple for the Holy God. That's what this is. That this stuff that's holding me back from full salvation, it's yours. Take this. And so this morning, Nick's playing, and I'm just going to say, that if this is what you want, if this is who you are, if this is where you're at, then come and ask for it. Come and ask for the Spirit. Come and ask for forgiveness. Come and ask for the second blessing. Maybe, maybe we don't have it because we don't ask. Just come and ask for the Spirit to fall afresh on you. Because I can't give it to you. I can't give you the Holy Spirit because I have to get on my knees and ask for the same thing. Fall afresh on me. Come and receive the blessing. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.